thank you for listening to this latest installment of our Unsolved podcast, where we look at unsolved mysteries across northern Michigan. This month, we're taking a look at the Victoria Solis case in Charlevoix County. Victoria, or Vicky, was last seen leaving her shift as a waitress at a Boyne City restaurant known as Pippin's back on April 15th of 1988. The restaurant is known as Friggy's today. But she wasn't reported missing until several days later when she didn't show up for work. That led to searches in and around her Boyne Falls home. But after 33 years, there's still no answer about what happened to Vicki. Lieutenant Michael Wheat with the Charlevoix County Sheriff's Office has been on the case in one capacity or another from the start. I sat down with him to recap the investigation and look into what new leads they're exploring. So take me back to April of 1988. Vicki's at her job at a restaurant in Charlevoix County and what happened? Well, she went to work on April 15th, uh, worked her shift, left work, and then was never reported. I say, she never re went back to work. Um, she was not reported missing. And then I think it was on Sunday around the 24th or 25th, Fifth, that uh, her employer at Pippin's restaurant where she was working actually called our department to report her missing. She was a very reliable employee and, and by not showing up for work they became very concerned. I think they may have called the home and talked to Vicki's husband who was um, limited physically and mentally uh, by uh, a brain tumor at a, a lot earlier period of time and I think he told them that he didn't know where she was. Investigators also made some puzzling discoveries at Vicki's home. Her purse, the car keys, her paperwork, the car she drove uh, were all at the house. So what indication did that give investigators at that point after the 24th, 25th when the restaurant calls what happened next? Well, our initial um, thought was that she may have had a health issue. Uh, her husband told the officers initially when they went to the house that the last time he saw Vicki, she was walking up into the hills to see her son where he was up cutting wood. And we did have some information that there were times that she would walk into Boyne Falls on a, a two-track through the fields called the Old Carriage Trail. Local people call it the Old Carriage Trail. And so initially we did a number of foot and air searches. We were assisted by the, the fire department, our own officers. Uh, at the time we had a, um, a mounted uh, horse uh, group in our at our department for doing rock concerts and searches and they were used. Uh, some people went up in the earth planes just trying to search uh, thinking she may have had a health issue of some kind. This was almost treated it sounds like maybe as a missing persons case. It was, it was a missing yeah. person at the start, yes. What, when, when did the investigation start taking a turn? There came a time uh, before I was active in doing a lot of the interviews where uh, some of Vicki's friends 
told the officers that were doing the interviews that um, there may have been some problems within the home at the time. And so uh, there were some other investigative leads that were followed up on. But during that same time, uh, there was an extensive amount of work done trying to find out if she was still alive by um, checking Social Security records, Medicare, Medicaid. Uh, Vicki Salish and her husband were from the Detroit area and she still had friends and family in the Detroit area. So they spent a lot of time contacting all the family and friends they could. Uh, she had a nephew, I think, that was in Washington, D.C. that may have been in the military and they contacted uh, that nephew to see if he had heard from her. So uh, it was kind of a combination of interviewing Vicki's friends and acquaintances and trying to find as many of the family members that they could uh, so uh, to see if she might have left the area voluntarily to go visit somebody or go stay with somebody else. Was there any indication that that was ever the case or that happened, that she just left voluntarily? No, the, the relatives and the friends that she had um, out of this area had not seen her. Um, we did get a few tips initially that we followed up on where she may have been seen like in Walmart and things like that, but we could never substantiate them. Investigators have conducted dozens of interviews with family and friends in the 33 years since Vicki was last seen. We've interviewed all of the family members that we could to try and determine the, the family dynamics, anything that was happening within the family. Um, anytime a possibility has come up where there is even the slightest possibility where uh, we might be able to find any kind of forensic evidence or her body or body parts. We have searched it. Um, we followed up a lot on on people's hunches. I, you know, like I think about two years ago in the summer, uh, we had a list of people that just had gut feelings uh, for one reason or another on where she may have died around the Boyne Falls area, and we. Uh, brought a cadaver dog in from Wisconsin and searched a lot of those areas. We have used the state police dogs a number of times to search areas. Early in this investigation, uh, we even used Otsego County had um, cadaver dogs and we used them to search areas. We've acted, anytime somebody has given us any kind of a lead to follow up on, whether it be interviews or a person they think could be suspicious, or uh, even just a, a gut feeling good lead because they had seen Vicki in areas or family members in that area, we've tried to follow up on those leads. And you've dug too in multiple places throughout Charlevoix County, right? We've, we've dug around the residence she was missing mm -hmm. from. Um, at this time, at this point, I think that's the only place I can recall that we've actually physically dug, mm -hmm. but we do have plans in the near future of um, excavating off another site that we have developed 
um, with a combination of interviews from 1988 and interviews that we did uh, after the news release last fall. Um, we did some more interviews and as a combination of interviews initially in this case and the new interviews we've done, we do have a site that we're going to be uh, doing some excavation on in the near future. The Sheriff's Office announced in October of 2020 the FBI was getting involved in the case, even offering a $5,000 reward for information that helps solve the case. And according to Lieutenant Wheat, that's helped generate some promising leads. I think we have reason for some optimism. I, I think that because of the things that we have learned in the last year and a half, either through interviews uh, or contacts with various people and family members, I think that we probably have as good or better of a chance of solving this as we ever have had. Um, not to say that we're definitely going to be able to do it, but I think that we have information that could possibly lead us to be able to solve this case. For you, how satisfying would that be? Well, I think you know, I've worked for three different sheriffs, and every one of the sheriffs that I worked for this case has really been important to them. And it's important to me, but it's, you know, it's important to do this for the family and, and for Vicki Salish, whatever happened to her. Um, you know, our, our department has always, our sheriffs have always taken the position that you do the best job you can and it doesn't have to necessarily be a criminal matter, but if you can do something to help someone, you do the best job you can. And, and there are still things that can be done on this case uh, to make an effort to solving it. So as long as there is uh, things to be done, we're going to do it. For you, what's been the most frustrating thing about this case in the years that you've been on it? I think there's been a couple times when we've had pretty good leads and pretty good information that I thought would lead to closing out this case and then, uh, then it didn't work out. But that's, but that's true in just about every case you work on. You know, you work on uh, just about any kind of uh, an investigation and you think, well, I think this is going to work. We're going to do this and, and that doesn't. So I, I think I've been doing this long enough that anything that doesn't work out, I'm not, I'm not devastated by it. You just think of the next best thing you can do, and if something comes to mind, if you're led to do a, another interview or um, try another investigative lead or try another investigative procedure to accumulate some evidence or to get some direction in the case, you just go ahead and do it. And, uh, you know, there is new technology out there now that we didn't have in 1988 that we are using now to try and accumulate more information and to get some more direction in this investigation. So um, that's been helpful too. Because with this case, there's a lot of, I think from the outside looking in, a lot of unknowns. We just know she's missing. 
But beyond that, you guys have never found remains or anything that would indicate the final pieces of what happened to her. That's correct. We, we have never found any remains for Vicki Salish. Um, information that we have on what may have happened to her has come to us first or second hand through interviews we have done. And those are the that's the big question you're trying to answer with all of this ultimately. What happened to Vicki Salish? And that was Lieutenant Michael Wheat with the Charlevoix County Sheriff's Office. Now, this case also has a unique connection to the Sheriff's Office. Charlevoix County Sheriff Chuck Bondra worked with Vicki at Pippin's Restaurant when he was a teenager. I asked the Sheriff about what he remembers of Vicki and the days after she went missing. So Sheriff, your first involvement with this case, not in law enforcement, but you kind of have a unique connection I do. to this case. Tell me I about do. that. Uh, I met uh, Vicki Salish in 87 or 88, whatever year it was. I was in high school, we worked together at a restaurant. I was actually a busboy where she was a waitress, which is how I got to know her. Uh, and the, quite frankly, the only way I personally knew her. So, I mean, what do you remember about her um, from your interactions with her? And yeah, um, you know, I'm gonna say from my perspective, the grandma perspective, which in my mind is a good thing. It's a sweet, caring person that always made sure folks were taken care of, including myself. I come to work to make sure I had what I needed or if you had something to eat or if I needed help and you know I was supposed to be helping her but she was always there to make sure that that again my perspective is the sweet grandma type person which is a positive thing in my world. Do you remember when she went missing or when she just didn't show up to work? Yeah I do. One day I mean what was that day what was that time frame like what do you remember? I was I was a young kid at the time um, and it was definitely peculiar because um, it was atypical of her from my experience with her. Um, I know the owner of the rest. The restaurant was Pippin's. It was in Boyne City. And the owner's name was Barb or Barbara, real nice gal. Um, and I believe she's the one that may have called and said, hey, something's not right here because Vicki didn't show up. So it was, it was atypical. It wasn't normal. And you know, even as a kid, you knew something wasn't right. So fast forward now, you're here as sheriff, you guys brought in the FBI recently yeah. in this case. What spurred that decision to get the FBI involved? Um, a, a new look in the behavior science aspect of it, um, knowing some folks that, that work there and you know just being inquisitive. Um, so I talked with Lieutenant Wheat, who has been trying to retire for some time now, and um, I asked him to uh, because he's worked on the case for 30 plus years. I asked him to, uh, if we could just bring the case up to date from where it was before he retires. Because there's, there's a lot of new technology a that ton you guys of, didn't have in the 80s. A that ton you of new now. science, a ton of new science. Uh, and it spurred some really good stuff. Um, it's, uh, without going into all of it, you know, there's been some really, really good things and progress has been made on this case, uh, which is why Lieutenant Weed is still working. Just in that six or so months of getting the FBI involved and in kind of putting this thing back in the spotlight. Yeah. You guys are seeing the results. Yeah, we are. You know, when we, we spoke with uh, um, a polygrapher from the state police as well um, who provided some really good insight. So, you know, we're just kind of reaching out to anybody that may have an expertise in any area to be helpful. Um, and 
knowing that you know there's some people that we're, we're looking at that may have an interest in the federal side of things and they may be more akin to approaching them sure as it may lieutenant we kind of dove into it a little bit you know but for you what would it be like to solve this case what would it mean to get those final pieces yeah. of the puzzle put together it would, it would bring satisfaction in that we were able to resolve it. But knowing Vicki, um, she deserves a proper burial. She's a good gal. Um, she lived her life the right way. And she deserves uh, better than what's happened to her. Because we still really don't know what happened. We just no. know she was never seen after leaving yeah. work that yeah. one day. Yeah, she's uh, uh, not been found. And I suppose... Lieutenant, we told you all that um, you know she left behind the things that someone would take with them. Car, purse, anything you would need to leave yeah. was still at her house. Yeah. And, and we know it during this investigation, even recently, that um, you know she went to square some things up with some people that needed to have some things squared up with her uh, from a perspective. So, um, and after, when, when we get all those timelines put together, you know, or you, it narrows it down to a specific time, mm -hmm. is what I can say, and, and the people that she would have had contact with. Sheriff Vondra also believes investigators are close to solving the case. People remember this. They remember things about this case. People that um, we hadn't spoke to or that hadn't come forward have come forward since this. You know, the media has done a good job of putting this out there. And um, the things they remember have been unbelievably helpful. They've helped move it forward we further than you would have expected. We've progressed because of the outreach uh, the media, quite frankly, has put out there. And people have come to us. And we've talked to people that said, yeah, you know, they, this or that, or this was said, or I saw that, um, which has progressed the case. So it's, uh, uh, I'll, I'll say we're close. It's just time. I did, yeah, I, we're close. And that was Charlevoix County Sheriff Chuck Vondra. If you have any information on what happened to Victoria Salise, contact the Charlevoix County Sheriff's Office at 231-675-1541 or the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI or you can go to fbi.gov forward slash tips. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsolved. You can find our previous episodes on 9in10news.com or wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch a video version on 9in10news and the free View It app. And be sure to tune in next month when we dive into another unsolved mystery from northern Michigan. For 9in10news, I'm David Lydon.